we are continuing in 1 Peter, and we're in chapter 3 now. And we just came out of a, a couple of uh, weeks where we talked about submission and, uh, and what, is it, what does it mean to submit to the government. That was a fun one. Uh, what does it mean to submit in marriage? What does it mean to submit in the body? Uh, and then we talked about slavery a couple weeks ago. Wow. And then last week we had Simon here talking about the baptism of, of Jesus. How many of you appreciated Simon being with you? Right on, he's a good friend of ours. And uh, this morning we're going to get into this next section of 1 Peter, which actually talks about four, uh, maybe the greatest aspects of what it means to be a Christian. So what, what does a Christian look like? And, and I, I love this list that Peter throws down. He says, loving each other. Unity in the body is what that means. Loving enemies and blessing them. That makes Christians a little different than other people, right? And then the third one that he throws down is loving life itself. I don't know if that's what most Christians are known for, but that's what 1 Peter says a Christian is about, loving life. And then the last one is about loving prayer. What does it mean when prayers are answered? What does it mean when you have this communication with the Lord where He hears you and you hear Him, and that conversation is happening? So what we're going to do is we're going to get into those first three, uh, loving each other, loving enemies, and loving life, and then we're going to get into this last one, which is prayer, and I'm going to give you a chance to share some of the things you've been learning about prayer. Many of us have been reading the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Some of you have not read it, but you've been paying attention. On Sundays, you've been paying attention to the Lord, and you've been in your mosaic group praying for each other, and you've noticed that something happens when you pray. You know what happens? Prayers get answered, like literally. So actually, I want to share one really neat one with you. So my dad is at Los Robles Hospital, and he's doing okay, but he went in on Friday afternoon with a really high fever, and he was at home, and he started shaking and was... Um, I mean, in really bad shape. So he, he was shaking so much that they were going to call the ambulance immediately because he literally couldn't get in the car. So pretty scary. So then he had the wherewithal to say, Becky, would you pray for me? So, I mean, that's, right, wisdom, maturity, to say, what's my first thing? Prayer. Okay, so my mom prayed, he prayed, and, and immediately God gave him peace. And he was able to settle down walk over calmly, get in the car, and go to the hospital. And so it turns out he's the first case of serious flu this, this season. He has a little pneumonia but he, and, and the flu, so he's quarantined at Los Robles, so don't go see him. <laughs> but it was interesting, though, that just really practically, the Lord loves to answer our prayers. He doesn't play hide-and-go-seek. He doesn't say, well, how badly do you want it? In that moment, he answered my parents' prayers, and it was a beautiful, you know, practical showing of his love. So we're going to get into that, that prayer after, after we teach the first three points. So let me read 1 Peter 3. If you have a Bible, turn to it, uh, verses 8 through 12. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you should, you should get one. I highly recommend this book. National, this is the international bestseller of all time. Finally, all of you, verse 8, be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with what? Blessing. 
blessing. Does that sound hard? That's because it's hard. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Verse 10, for whoever would love life and see good days. Before I continue here, this is all from Psalm 34, the next three verses. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer. Love that. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So notice we have these three big ideas, four big ideas, but the first one is loving each other. And Peter has already covered this a few times. It may sound familiar to you as we've been teaching through 1 Peter. One of his big themes is we need to have unity in the body. Can you guys just get along is a big theme in Peter. But in this passage, it's interesting, he gives a couple of really specific ways. He says, here's how you can get along. And the first one he talks about is having one mind, unity in mind. Remember, Paul talked about having the mind of Christ, right? So that, it's not just that Ian and I agree on every single thing, every, you know, little thing about how we're going to live out our faith every day. We might disagree on some stuff. Knowing Ian, we probably do disagree on some stuff. But, but the point is, are we pursuing the mind of Christ? Is he the one that's our point, not am I right? Is he right? Uh, in fact, like-mindedness, I think a good picture of that is if we were all on a winning team, let's say that we're on a soccer team and we all are going after the World Cup, we all bring different gifts, we all bring different skills, and odds are, if you're a soccer player, you think your position is the most important, right? Or else you're just not any good. And in the body of Christ, we all have different gifts and passions and abilities and spiritual gifts. If you are really strong in evangelism, in prophecy, in leadership, you think that your gift is the thing, right? And that creates tension between the other gifts. That's how it's supposed to be. And on a winning, strong team, the gifts shine, and we're able to let each other shine and yet work towards a bigger goal. There's a really good quote from Cranfield that says this, it's a unity in which powerful tensions are held together in an overmastering loyalty and overcome in common worship and common obedience. So, are we going to have tensions in the body? Yes. And often that's healthy because we pull each other, we sharpen each other, and I might challenge you and say, you should get off your duff and get out there and serve somebody. And you might challenge me and say, you better get on your knees, buddy. You can't just be out there wearing yourself out and you know, serving people all the time. It's interesting how we sharpen each other. Number two, he says, sympathy. And literally, this word means being willing to suffer with somebody else. And it's where we get our word sympathy from is that Greek word. The next one is love, and that's the word Philadelphia. Does anybody know what Philadelphia means? The city of what? Brotherly love, right? So seeing each other as brothers and sisters is part of building unity. And so if I'm angry at you, that's okay as long as I see you as my brother. But if I see you as an enemy and an outsider, that's not what we're talking about, right? Do we ever have conflicts in our families? Yeah, but we still love each other like crazy. The next one is compassion, and you might remember this one. Um, this is the word splachna, which means to love each other from your guts. 
So it's to feel emotional attachment and, and connection with somebody else. Isn't Splockna? Oh, I love that. I need to have a t-shirt company at Splockna. Uh, and then the last one is humility. And, and that really means a friendly and courteous mind. So I am listening to what you are bringing and I'm giving you a fair hearing and I'm seeing you as a human being and as a brother and I care about what you have to say. And that is totally countercultural in Roman culture. When he was writing this, to be humble, especially man with another man, humility was not honored at all in that culture. So you wanted to one-up each other all the time. A little bit like American culture, but much more so. They were pretty hardcore with that. And I think that what, what Peter is bringing is this memory forward of, of the words of Christ, the spirit of Christ. And, 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 and Jesus said in John 17, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Christ, before he left, said, if the body is unified, if we love each other in that way, then it's an apologetic. Then the world looks at us and goes, oh, something must be true with that. Look at how they love each other. Acts Acts 4 says that all the believers were in one heart and mind. That's the same idea. Something happened, though. Doesn't it feel like we're not like that? Something happened with denominations. Something happened with Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox and Protestant Christianity. Somehow it all got splintered and funky. But that's not the original intent. The original intent is that we would be one heart and one mind and that there would be one church in the city. Right. How in the world did we get there? I think some baby steps. We had Simon from the Adventist church here last week, and many of us gather, the, the pastors and leaders of the community, we gather and pray for all of you and pray for the Lord to reach our city, and we call ourselves often one church of the city. Now, it would be really cool to see some of that actually, you know, technically changing. So pray about that. I was also thinking about this verse. Um, in Ephesians 4, it, it says there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I think that that oneness that exists in the Trinity, that oneness needs to translate into the body where there's a, that we are not fighting for ourselves. We're fighting for Him. We're fighting for the unity that he wants to create among us and in us and through us. And there's something, I, I feel like whenever I have a problem with one of you, whenever you have a problem with one of me, maybe we can go back to that Ephesians thing and say, Lord, remind me that there is one, you are one Lord, there is one hope that we have, there's only one faith, there are not a bunch of them. We need to be just committed to that word one. Okay, let's talk about loving enemies now. This will be fun. Are you ready? Have any of you ever had an enemy? <laughs> okay, I wanted to see if, because if, we talks about lying a little bit later in, in this verse. So anyway, uh, it says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Okay, now so far, I can do that. I can zip my lip. I can tie my arms down. And I can be PO'd at somebody, but I cannot retaliate, right? So, so far, I'm a great Christian. But notice where he goes next. 
On the contrary, answer evil with blessing. And literally, that word is eulogy. It's, it's like to say nice words about somebody. It's to bless them out loud when I really don't want to. That's what it says. And, and it's not just no retaliation, but it's positive action. So it's not okay not to just slug them and walk away. That, that may be your first step. The next step is now what? Now that I have not slugged them, what is the Lord inviting me into, into their life? That's crazy. So how many of you read Mad Magazine when you were little? Okay. So I think about Spy versus Spy because this was the ultimate revenge story, right? So he does this to him, and then he outdoes him, and then he outdoes... It's kind of like our culture, right? If somebody messes with you, or even worse, messes with your family, right? You're, gonna, you're going after them. It's like this. But I think what the Lord wants us to do, let's see this next one, is a little bit more like, this is a challenge, right? This just doesn't look natural to me. That They're not after each other now. They're actually sharing a cup of coffee. So in my life, I have been injured and hurt by some people and this was maybe about, about two years ago, I, was, I, I realized that I was carrying some poison in here. And somebody once said that holding a grudge is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. I felt like I had that in here, and I, was, and I didn't want that. And, and the Lord, sometimes, sometimes He'll let you go through a little while in your life, and He won't shine the light in there, because you're dealing with another, you know, enough other stuff. But then in his grace, you get to a place where you can actually handle it. And he goes, oh, by the way, Carlos, that thing, you probably want to get that out. And I felt like I, I was holding a grudge against a, a couple of people that used to be actually part of, our, part of our family. And I was like, that's not healthy. And so it was, the beautiful thing was I got to just go and be alone with the Lord for a couple of hours and just pray for those people that God would bless them like crazy. Now, in that context... It would have been really strange if I went to them and said, you know, I've had a grudge against you for a couple of years. Sorry. Um, I, would you accept my apology? Because they had no idea that this was even there. And that would create this whole new like, level of weirdness right, in the body. And, and so the great part, sometimes the Lord calls you to go to the person and make it right and bless them in person. Other times, He wants you to bless them in prayer and get it all cleaned up because it's just on your side, right? If it's not on their side, they may not need to carry that burden. So, so it was really cool, though. I was able to spend some time in prayer and just process it and just bless the heck out of those people. And I'm free. And, and I'm continuing to pray for blessing in their lives. Which, and none of them are here, by the way. <laughs> so I was thinking about this this last week also, this, this thing about blessing and about holding grudges. Um, my daughter plays softball. So Friday night, we were playing Friday Night Lights uh, down in Camarillo. We were playing against Seaside, um, which is a, a team that I don't really appreciate their coaching. And um, they did some really aggressive things, and their third, third baseman, you know, like comes like 10 feet from our player, and she's like screaming. I mean, when our girl's trying to bat. And she's nine. So it's not real cool. So I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I'm like ready to just, go tackle this girl and tackle the coach and be like, really? You know, and then I remembered what I was preaching about this weekend. And, and, I, and I felt like I needed to cool my jets and understand that these are human beings 
and, and I need to not be aggressively wanting their demise, but, but I, I need to be aggressively praying that they would find life and find it abundantly and that they would find the love of God and maybe they have it, but they're not showing it. And what's interesting is the game turned out to be really fun and I enjoyed it more because I left my grudge behind. And we actually beat them. But, but was great, what was great, though, was I was not in this mindset of like, you know, crush them, right? Ha-ha, <laughs> we beat you. But I was a little bit like, hey, Lord, you know, those girls lost. That must have been hard. And how fun that we won. But it was more healthy when it ended. Does that make sense? There's a, there's a man in our church that has been injured by his father. Deeply, 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 deeply. And I met with him a couple weeks ago. And, and basically, the Lord has been putting on his heart, like, how do I make peace with that? And it's that more than, how do I make peace with him? It's like, that thing that is my dad. And so, it was really pretty deep, pretty powerful to spend time with him and just kind of process, like, how do you really forgive and not just, not just wipe it off with apathy? And just, because the it, it's one step to say, you know, Dad, I forgive you. Let's never talk again. But it's another thing to say, Dad, I forgive you, and I don't know what comes next, but I'm willing to see what that is. And I feel like that's what Peter's talking about, is being willing to go the next step in blessing someone with our words, with our life, with our attitude. I think we're going to have tons of opportunities for this with the election coming up. This is a time when, man, there can be a lot of stuff thrown around, and I could replace that word stuff with a lot of other things. There's going to be a, it's going to be difficult the next month and a half in our country, and you have the opportunity to speak blessing or to, to lay curses out on people. That's just true. Now, as a Christian, vengeful actions and words are not an option for us. The word is very specific. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Romans 12 says, dear friends, never take revenge. I think it said it right there, right? Never. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Wow. Verse 9 says, repay evil with blessing. And there's a, there's a quote from um, Dr. Martin Luther King that I think is great. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He understood this idea of re returning what's, um, rather than giving someone what they deserve, think about the civil rights movement. What did the perpetrators have coming to them? Judgment. What did he encourage people to do instead of that? Love. Build bridges. Try to work it out. Amazing. Amazing. So, I, I, and I feel like also, um, as we're called to be a blessing, it says that we're going to receive the blessing. So there's something about this reciprocity in the kingdom that if a Christian is forgiven and forgiving, a Christian is blessed and blessing. And so if we're missing the second part, we may have not understood the first part. If I don't understand that I'm blessed, I may not pass on that blessing to somebody else. And so if I'm not passing on that blessing to somebody else, I need to rewind the tape and go, hmm, what am I missing about, about who I am in Jesus? 
The Scripture is clear. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. I haven't heard a lot of sermons on that. I mean, we could spend some time on that if you want. But Matthew 6, Jesus just said, if, if you are not willing to forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And this ver- these verses say, if you're not willing to bless, then don't expect your inheritance of blessing to come from the Lord. Sit on that for a minute, right? That's pretty wild. And one mark of a Christian is forgive others as you have been forgiven. And Jesus said that. He said, love your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. Peter's just breaking out those words a little bit more. So here's a question. When people see you coming down the street or into their house, what do they expect? Okay, if, if they see you coming over for Thanksgiving dinner, are they expecting a blessing? Or are they expecting something else? Are they like, oh no, they're, you know, so-and-so's coming over, right? That judgmental Christian person. Or are they expecting you to come into their home to bless them, to encourage them, to build them up? That's the right stuff. Okay, now let's talk about this third thing. What is the secret to loving life? And incidentally, this all comes from Psalm 34. We'll talk about the context of that in a minute. Whoever would love life, it's right there, and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. That means lying. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Literally, it says the one who determines to love life. The one who, did you know you can decide? Literally, you, you have the power in Jesus to say, I'm going to love my life. You, you can do that. You can decide to trust God with each step. You can decide to trust Him with each season. Or you can say, well, I'll just see you know, how it happens. And if I want to like it, I'll like it. If I want to hate it, I'll hate it. That's going to be a life like this, where you're waiting to see the circumstance that happens and you're going to respond to it. But the Lord gives us this, this concept of loving life in Him because He's the provider of life, seeing life as a gift from Him, and treating it as a gift, right? Now, if we decide to love life, there are a couple of things that can screw it up. And then He mentions those. And He says, one is speech. Be careful that you don't have a deceitful mouth. So if you are a Christian who says, I'm going to love life, and then you're saying lies, and you're cheating people, and the stuff that comes out of your mouth is unfruitful, that's going to short-circuit your life. And then he also says, turn from evil, and it literally says, hate evil, despise it, run away from it. If you are a Christian that harbors this stuff and allows bad habits and allows stuff to short-circuit your life, loving life, on the one hand, is going to be made much more difficult by embracing evil on the other. And Peter says, don't do that. That is dumb. And then the last thing he says is seek peace. And then he adds another qualifier, and pursue it. Which I, th- I think a lot of people want peace in their life. But I don't think most of us are willing to do the work to bring the peace that he's talking about. And so he's saying, don't just desire peace but do whatever God requires to bring peace in your own life. Sometimes that's the hard stuff of making peace with other people, blessing your enemy. 
and going the extra mile, turning the other cheek, to allow peace to come in. Because we all want peace. I mean, who, who of us would say, I want war? We want peace, but I don't think we're willing sometimes to do the effort to say, Lord, what does peace look like? What does peace look like in my marriage? What does it look like with my kids? What does it look like at work? And am I willing to take those godly steps for Him to bring the peace? This is also interesting. The word, it says love life, right? Whoever would determine the love life, it's agape. What's different about agape love? Anybody? What does it mean? Unconditional love, right? So if I'm looking at my life with unconditional love, I think that's a, that's a helpful tool for me. That, that way I can look at it as a gift from God and I can thank Him as I go into life, even if life gets dicey. Even if, does, do things ever hit the fan? Yeah? Somebody once said, welcome, welcome to life. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Now, I don't think that is just for the non-Christian who wanders around outside of God's bubble of blessing. That's truth. Earth is a difficult place to live. It was difficult for Christ to live here. If he didn't get to really walk around in the divine bubble where nothing bad ever happened to him, how do we think, you know, like, well, I deserve it? That's weird, right? That's kind of an American Christian lie. That's a, that's a Disneyland lie, where we would, and, and I, think it's, I think it's crazy that, that some churches and some teachers promise that if you're in the middle of God's will, nothing bad will happen to you. You won't get sick, you won't have struggles, you won't have divorce, you won't have kids run, run away. That's not truth. That sounds nice. I mean, I would, I would like to go to that church, but that's not reality. Reality is, in this planet, difficult things will happen, and Jesus promised that. He said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So there's this sense in which we can see the trajectory of our life, and the bumpy things happen, but we know that it's his life. He blessed me with it, he's with me in it, and my life aims towards him. Psalm 34, these verses that Peter pulls out, here, here's something that is really, if you re remember nothing else from this morning, remember this. When the New Testament quotes something from the Old Testament, read it. <laughs> really, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. He was not just saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, and making this theological statement. He was saying, go read Psalm 22, the whole thing's about me. Okay? So read Psalm 34, especially read Psalm 34 if life is dicey, if life is difficult, if life is weird, read Psalm 34. Okay? Okay. So Psalm 34 is interesting because this is where King David is being pursued. He's going to be killed by Saul. He's not king yet. He's going to become king, but Saul wants to kill him. So he's hiding in Philistine territory, and then the king of the Philistines finds out who he is, and David has to act like he is mentally ill to protect his own life. So he's literally drooling on the city gates. Not very pride, you know, that's, where'd the pride go? Where's the kingly manner, right? So he literally is hiding for his life, acting like he is a crazy person. And then he writes this psalm to say, God, thank you for saving my life. And the psalm is full of fear and trouble and affliction, and it actually says a broken heart right in the middle of Psalm 34. 
And right at the beginning, it starts with praise, it starts with worship, and then it has these words, whoever would have a good life, whoever would love life and have good days. And, and, the whole, and, and then it's really cool because some of your favorite phrases are also in this psalm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Extol Him at all times. Sense His nearness. Know the answers to your prayers. It, it's incredible. And so David, in this most difficult time of his life, is saying, God is still in it with me. He's allowing me to love life even in this. And even these are good days because I have a good God who's in the days with me. And so you can choose to love life and assume that things are going to go like this. But you don't have to go like this. You can go towards your Lord knowing that He is in charge. Amen? Right on. So where do you need to focus right now? If we talked about just those three things before we get into prayer... Number one is, how are you doing loving those in the body? How's your unity? And some people who are students of theology love to fight. I'm just saying. I went to seminary with some people that literally I couldn't get out of class because they're fighting. And I'm like, guys, I want to go to lunch. How's your unity with each other, with brothers and sisters in Christ is one. Number two is, how's it going with blessing enemies? Some of you may have this thing that needs to be solved that is like a backpack that you carry around every day that's too heavy, and the Lord wants to give you freedom from that. Sometimes there's a process to get there. And if you need to pray with somebody after the service, we'll have a couple people right by the piano. Come If you just want a, somebody to believe with you about this, this grudge, this enemy, this problem, this, you know, this hatred, this issue that you have, come and pray with somebody. And then the last one is this, do you love life? Or do you hate life right now? I believe that the Lord will allow some of you today to say, Lord, I just hate my life. And the Lord will say, I know, thanks for being honest. You can tell him anything, he's heard it before. And he will meet you in there and you can say, Lord, help me to love life like you promised. I want to love this life. So let's pray about those things and then we'll move on. Lord, I ask that you would bring to light in our lives the things that you want to work on. Lord, some of us, if we have grudges against brothers and sisters in the faith, make us unified, Lord. Show us our next step. And Lord, some of us, we have an enemy that has just done so much wrong, so much damage, and it's hard for us to even think about it. But we've been forgiven We've been blessed. We've been called to a new level of living. And Lord, I ask that you'd give those people strength to forgive and that you would allow them to move even beyond that to blessing those who have hurt them. And I ask, Lord, for us as a church that you would make us people who love life. You are the provider of life. You're the giver of all good gifts. Release us, Lord, into this new level of loving life with you. May we, be, may we be people of joy and peace and not cranky and mean and disappointed and discouraged. Make us more like you, Lord. Amen, everybody.